Hello, and welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. Today, we're talking about the genesis of inclusionomics, and our hosts are Stacey Gordon, Elay Thatch, and Lisa Gates. So you're probably wondering why you're here and what inclusionomics is. And for the three of us on this podcast, we had the same thought. We spent a lot of time as uh, consultants working together, complaining about things that were happening to us. And we realized that a lot of the things that were happening were happening to each of us. We were having the same things happening over and over again. And I would say to Lisa, I can't believe this happened. And she'd say, oh, this happened to me too. And so we thought, you know what, if it's happening to us, it's got to be happening to lots of women. And we realize from our practices, we know this is happening. But it's frustrating when you're supposed to be the expert and it's still happening to you as well. So we thought that we would get together and we would think about what are these things that keep coming up for us that we could discuss on a podcast that would be able to help others. Because there are so many times when we sat back and said, I wish someone had told me this. I wish someone had said this to me. Why didn't I know about this? Why didn't anyone tell me? And so we are here to be that person for you. We want to be able to tell you. We want to give you the information that we have at our fingertips. And if it helps you along the way, that really is, um, is our goal for, uh, for being here and um, for being in front of you. So I think that what we'll do is introduce ourselves. And so my name is Stacey Corden. I actually have a consulting company called Free Work Work, and I have been in the consulting space for a number of years. Started off as a recruiter and have helped hundreds of professionals, mainly women, to get into jobs that they love. And I was struggling with the client base that I had, listening to the way that they would treat candidates and found that it really was not cool, for lack of a better way of saying it and um, started doing diversity and inclusion training. So now I speak and train and help professionals all around the world, and I enjoy that a lot. I have some great courses on LinkedIn, thanks to Lisa Gates, who is also on this podcast with us. And mm-hmm. so she is going to go ahead and introduce herself. Hi there. Thanks, Stacey. Uh, yeah, we have been connecting for quite a while and and um, not just commiserating, but growing things together, some fabulous things. I am a negotiation and leadership coach and co-founder of She Negotiates. And one of the things that we, uh, that I always focus on is um, helping women close their wage and leadership gaps. And along the road to that, I learn much about the challenges that women face in the workplace. And we're going to talk about a lot of those today. Um, They are not going away. If anything, they're getting more persistent. Um, Things having to do, of course, with inclusion, diversity, access to power, um, speaking truth to power, all of those kinds of things. So those are the things that show up in my practice every single day. And Phile is my new best friend. And Tell us a little bit about yourself, Thile. 
Yeah, I'm so happy to be here with my two BFFs. And um, I'm Thiele Thatch, and I own a consulting business called Mrs. HR, M-R-S-H-R. And I have been working in human resources for over 20 years. And I say that to let you know that I've worked with thousands of employees that just are trying to find their place in the workplace, uh, working with diversity and inclusion and working with just how do they show up in the workplace? How do they succeed in the workplace? And um, throughout my career, I've had thousands literally of these conversations of people just trying to navigate how to feel safe in the workplace or safe in their space. And so right now I focus on um, strategies for mid-size and small businesses, um, helping them with everything from hire to retire and um, in between. And I'm just really flattered to be here with these women to talk about ways and experiences that we have uh, around inclusion and defining inclusionomics. Yeah, so for us, you know, the Inclusionomics podcast is about being seen, being heard, and being included. And we were having a really funny conversation, which is what started this podcast to begin with, about the shoulda, woulda, and coulda, and how many times a day that comes up. And um, so we thought it would be an interesting conversation to have, because how many times have you had a conversation with yourself, and you're saying, I should have said something, I should have done something. I, you know, or someone's telling you that you could have, and, you know, who are they to tell you what you should or could have done? So we thought we'd talk a little bit about some of those experiences and um, just have uh, an interesting discussion today about, uh, about those experiences. Great. Yeah. yeah. So who wants to go first? Yeah. <laughs> See, nobody wants to go first. Yeah. Not even, wait a minute. It's okay. You go, Like, No, you yeah, go, Steve. You should have went first, Lisa. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go first. Uh, I should have I went first. <laughs> I think that we, what we were talking about um, as we were kind of thinking through ideas for the podcast is that we all have an inclusion story or 12 or 20. Uh, and, and, and I think that our sense of belonging or inclusion, those stories begin when we're really young, um, if, you know, not being invited to a birthday party or, you know, any, any variety of things. But the one thing that really influenced who I am today was in sixth grade, sitting around on the playground with a bunch of sixth grade girls, all talking about a subject which we were directed by the group leader to give our opinion on. And so uh, we traveled through the circle and it came to me and I expressed my opinion and then the next person expressed theirs. And I am always the kind of person who says, yeah, I see that. I can see that perspective. That makes sense. And as people went around the circle, I had that same response. And finally the group leader says to me, Lisa, why can't you just stick to your guns? Why can't you just have your opinion? Why do you have to agree with what everyone says? And I thought in that moment, I was just struck dumb, which is unusual. And, and I thought, wow, I guess I really need to hold on to my opinion. I guess there's something wrong with me. I need to stand strong and dig my feet in. And years later, 
right? That's probably the best strength I have is my ability to step into anybody's perspective and see it and value it. And certainly in my years as an actress, you have to be able to step in to the role and understand the character and get into their skin and their clothing and the whole thing. So it was something that I dismissed as a value or as a strength that was valuable. Yeah, I'm, cur- I'm curious, Lisa, how long did it take you before you realized that was a strength? So after hearing, you know, you should have, you should have, right. you know, make stuck, sure, to, your stuck to your guns and made a decision. <laughs> like, did you go through your formative years not doing that? or how? When no, you- I think it kind of just came in and out and it depended on the circumstance because, you know, my nature is not to be, it is to, to speak my piece and to also hear others, others, what they have to say. It did inform, it did tell me that, wow, if I do have a stand, I need to take it, right? And, 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 and in some cases, not let myself step off to accommodate the other person when, I, when I'm in disagreement or it's just a wrong value, a wrong, wrong choice for me, right? But I, I think I really became, hyper aware of it as I started coaching other women. And that was about 14 years ago and helping women step into their power, step into their voice, not be afraid, speak up, say, you know, name that elephant, name the elephant in the room and move on. So it took a while. Thank you for asking me that. Yeah, I just was curious. And then when I was listening to what you were sharing, I just visualized this little bully on the playground. <laughs> like, That's it. Was that, per- was that person a bully? Would you have considered them a bully? No, she was the popular one. Okay. Was, you know, the ringleader, the popular one, kind of like, I don't know, Heather's the movie, right? Okay. Or mean Girls. <laughs> okay, that sounds a little bullyish, but all right. Well, I definitely have one that has stuck with me for the past few years, and it's one of those shoulda moments that I look back, and although I I don't operate in regret a lot, I do regret not saying something when this situation happened to me. So I was in a meeting with my boss, for lack of a better word, the person I report to, and I was new to the position, and we were meeting another executive, and I was being introduced, I thought as an executive. And within the first five minutes of the conversation, we were talking about just LA, you know, Los Angeles. And I had, I had lived in LA for almost two years at that point. And um, the person made a comment because I didn't know which direction the beach was in. So the, the visitor who was an executive said, hey, what direction is the beach in? And then my boss was like, oh, Delay should know that because I didn't know. And I just instantly felt so like the air just left the room, the air left my body. I just felt like she had intentionally tried to embarrass me and make me look small. And I look back, even that was not, that was years ago now. And um, I look back and I think, what could I have responded? I should have said this to her. I should have said that. I should have <laughs> said, why do you think I should know? Why did you know? And I just had all of these responses. And at the time, I did not understand, you know, Michelle Obama talks about in, in one of her 
speeches about experiencing small slights every day. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I didn't know how to pinpoint that was a small slight. And looking back now, one of the things I hope that, you know, I'm sharing in the spaces that I'm in is being curious enough and having the, having the professional courage to say, what do you mean by that? Or why would I know where the beach is? I just moved. I've only lived here two years. Why are you <laughs> saying that? Like just simple, a simple response, even respectfully, just would have changed that entire, <laughs> entire experience and the entire landscape. And so little microaggressions um, that we experience every day in especially for a black woman, you know, I'm, I'm a black woman for those who, who may not figure it out yet. And um, they happen all the time. And just being able to address it um, is one of the shoulda. I have so many shouldas, but that for whatever reason, that small comment about, oh, you don't know where the beach is. And, and then I went on I guess for the next few months, like I need to learn all of LA. I need to know the East (laughs) from the West and I need to know, you know, the bridges and the freeways. And, (laughs) and then I, you know, you look at LA, LA, uh, just the County is as big as New Jersey where I came from. And I I lived, how am I going to know everything? And well, if it gives you, if it gives you any, any um, solace, I live in Santa Barbara Carpinteria area where the beach is south, not west. So I never know what direction I'm going ever. And I've lived here forever. So, yeah. But I think that. that's a, yeah. And I think that's a really great piece of advice, though, is because, you know, to this day, I still get stopped. I can't figure out what's the thing that I should say. And so those who know me know that I talk a lot. I always have something to say. And so if I'm speechless, it's because I really want to cuss you out, (laughs) but I know that I shouldn't. And so I don't have anything else to say because whatever it was that you said was just so offensive that I am, I'm speechless. Because the only thing that wants to come out of my mouth is something that should not. <laughs> and that happened just the other day to me. But so I think that Thiele's, um example of asking the question of, well, why do you think I should know that? Right. Mm-hmm. And just putting it back on them is such a, a, a huge tool to have in your arsenal, because in those moments, you sometimes you are just rendered speechless. It's like, right. did you really just ask me this question? Did you really just make that comment? Did you really just say this to me? <laughs> and you lose all sense of <laughs> the professional thing to come out of your mouth. And I still struggle with it because Thiele has given me this advice repeatedly. And <laughs> it's tough. It sounds real, you know, simple, but I just was thinking something simple we can do is just say why. If you can't get anything else out of your mouth and all you can say is why? Just one word. Why? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? You don't even say you that. Just say why. Well, there's a great example, a great example from uh, the book Never Split the Difference by Chris, Chris Boss. And in this situation, he would have said to mirror what the other person had just said. So in your case, Thiele, uh, she says, you should know where the beach is. And mirroring in this case is not a question. It is mirroring the last three or the most important words. And it might sound like, 
I should know where the beach is. And you just let it ride. And it, it, it puts the onus on the other person to explain their, their shoulda to you. What would you say? I should know where the beach is because. No, you just mirror. You just mirror it. Because when you said it, it sound kind of submissive. Like, yeah, I should know where the beach is. You're right. Yeah. When I want to say I should know where the beach is because why? Well, you can do that. And if you want to preserve the relationship and you want to, um, you want to challenge and preserve the relationship at the same okay. time. Okay, this is good. And you don't have to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know in that situation. I mean, uh, so this is the thing that comes up, you know, and this this is, a, a um, you, know, you know, this is a conversation. We're, we're going to have these conversations. So they're going to be non-politically correct. So please don't send me emails. Don't write in. No, send her please. an email. And <laughs> write in. <laughs> And if you don't like it, send me an email to tthatch at gmail.com. Thank you. (laughs) What I'm going to say is um, sometimes it is a race issue, right? And this is an example. I happen to be at a a spa. I won't name the name. And I was hanging out in the hot tub. And there are these signs that say quiet space. Speak in hushed tones only, right? And so normally I am one of very few black women in that area. But for whatever reason, the day that I was there, I was among a large group of black women who happened to be hanging out and having a great time. And there was one. They other, were loud. Yes, they were loud. <laughs> <laughs> I told you later this story. <laughs> and so there was one other non-black person there. And I could tell she was looking for quiet. I was looking for quiet. I was not part of the other group. And I really just wanted some quiet, you know, and they kept talking and talking. And I thought, wow, they're going to be quiet. They're really not going to be quiet, huh? So I waited and finally I couldn't wait anymore. And I gestured to the sign and I said, you know, this is a quiet zone. So if you wouldn't mind. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Right. So I realized they were annoyed with me. You know, you can just feel the radiation, right? I could feel them thinking, look at this black woman. Why would she say something with somebody else here who's not black, right? Embarrass us, da 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 da. And, and that, so I'm waiting for this other person who's not black to leave the hot tub so I can turn around and have a real conversation with them. So the woman finally leaves. And so as soon as she was gone, I said, okay, I just need you all to understand. I said, I had to say something. I felt I had to say something because we were in a space where black women are already considered loud. Why do we rise to the stereotype? We're in a space where we're asked to be quiet and we're not following those rules. And she said to me, oh, but it seemed like you were deferring to this other woman. And I said, no, I was not concerned with her at all. I said, I was just gesturing to the sign. I said, I realize now, as you say that, you thought I was pointing to her. I was not. I said, I was pointing to the sign that asks for quiet in this area. And so she said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize and we were allowed and blah, blah, blah. So we had this whole conversation about this, but it's like even among, you know, as we're looking at, you know, racial differences, there are things that we, you know, I thought back and I thought, well, should I say something? Should I not say something? And there are always going to be these times where you you don't want to end up deferring. And so what brought up this whole conversation was your comment, Lisa, about 
you know, it, it, what you said made it sound like you're deferring to this person when they have clearly done something to embarrass you. And I feel like you don't want to be, you don't always want to be in that place. Like you don't have to be the person like me that steps up and says, oh, you need to be quiet. Right. But <laughs> you also don't want to be the person that is always seen as just taking it and being demure either. So how do we find that balance? Well, that one is really subtle and complex. It is. You know, I can imagine if I were there and I pointed to the sign, I would have felt like the biggest racist. You know, it it would have been a, you know, a whole different thing. And it was funny, as you were telling the story, I was thinking, wow, wait, was she protecting the white woman? Why is she doing wow. that? And, and I understood. And were you, Stacey? No, but that's what they thought. And so they were like heated. You could feel the yeah. radiation from them. Wow. They were not happy with me until I explained. <laughs> that's great. Mm. I mean, I think that's where you're right. It's so complex because the bottom line is you just wanted to enjoy the spa without the noise. And I think of so many times I've been in situations like that and, you know, white women are loud. People from all different ethnicities are loud. You know, I've had Asian women just loud. So it's just really, they just were loud. It didn't depend on you know, it didn't matter what race or ethnicity they were. And so I think that's where we have to check our own biases. Like you just mentioned your bias about, oh, we already loud. They already think we're loud, you know, the stereotype and pull and remove that. It's not about your color. It's about uh, you're just loud and I'm trying to relax, period. And so that's that's my thought there. And then there's the loud that women are not allowed to be. Right. right? So, so all women, um, I know when I was growing up, I, you know, probably already can tell I have a voice like this. I've had it since I was a young person and I laugh loud. I talk loud. And my father would constantly say, pipe down, pipe down, Lisa, calm down. And it never worked. (laughs) So it was not an an advice I took to heart. And I'm glad that. Like that. Hashtag don't pipe down. Don't pipe down. That's right. Let's use that. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag don't pipe down. I was at an event on Saturday and um, last Saturday and. One of the executives, I won't say who she is, but she's working with a really big, famous company. And she talked about, not even early in her career, but a few years, one of the CEOs pulled her to the side and said, she, a Black woman, said she laughed too loud. and she, need to, she needs to change her laugh. I mean, how personal yeah. is that? That someone, I mean, you guys, people, we're already kind of self-conscious about our laugh. Well, imagine your boss pulling you to the side. Hey, your laugh. I don't like your laugh. Yeah. yeah and, how, and, and how likely is it that you're actually going to be able to make a behavioral change like that? That's a pretty deep, a deep laugh. ingrained, long, big one. Yeah. Like, or I guess you just right. won't laugh or you'll always be insecure when you laugh. And, oh, I should have, I should have, should have, could have, would have, I shouldn't have laughed. Right. Goodness. Can you imagine the pressure? 
on someone who's told their their laugh is inappropriate in the workplace? Well, and that's the piece that we have to realize is that when you're giving feedback to people, we need to give feedback on things they can actually change. Mm-hmm. So you cannot give, giving feedback on something like how you laugh, um, what you look like, the color of your hair. I mean, yes, you can change the color of your hair, but there's certain things that are personal to a person that we should not be giving people feedback on unless it is somehow ridiculously offensive or illegal. <laughs> right. Right. So I think those are things that we have to think about before we open our mouths and say, say something uh, we need to, we need to think about it. And um, I think as I look at, you know, we're talking about, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. One of the things, you know, I, I looked at is I had a, a, we were actually at an event and I have a habit of saying things I'm from New York. I consider myself a New Yorker. I cannot help it. Things come out of my mouth. I will, I'll just say it. If I think it, I will say it. And I realized that as a professional, you know, I have to be better about that. And I, I've worked on it a lot. And I have, um, you know, you have to ask yourself, is it kind? You know, is it necessary? You know, whatever the whole, is, there's a whole um, acronym that goes with that, but it shows you, I don't think about it because I don't even know what it is, right? But I do- I think I know what it is, Stacey. It's (laughs) W-A-I-T, why am I talking? (laughs) Oh, wait. Wait. Why am I talking? You know, and the the answer to that, I mean, the check on yourself is, am I contributing positively to this, this conversation? Is there a need for my voice, my opinion at this time? And- if the answer is yes, especially repeatedly, then you need to speak. But on the other hand, I don't want to be always asking that question and subduing something that that, that might be beneficial in the moment and then the moment passes. Right. Well, right? I think the way I look at it is, and so this is my, my, my shoulda thing, right? Because I'm always looking back and saying, should I have said something? And it's like, I, you know, maybe I should have kept quiet. But I look at it and I think to myself, we are living in a time where too many people keep quiet. Too many people are fine with going along with the status quo because they don't want to make waves, because they want to preserve the relationship for some future benefit down the road. Right. But they're not thinking about the fact that, you know what, we have to speak up. Right. And it's so, not your complicit. Right. And I'm tired of being complicit. I will not be complicit. So I am usually the squeaky wheel. I am usually the person who will stand up and say something. And someone might say, you know what? This isn't the time. It's not necessary. We don't need to say it. It's not kind. But it's like, you know what? This person needs to know this. And we need to have a conversation about it. And if nobody else, if everyone else around here is too chicken shit to say something, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to bring it up because it needs to be said. And I'm not going to be the person who just walks out of the room going, well, we should have said something. Yeah, well, you can always test that theory because I know I've become more emboldened to say things because every time I do, there's a line outside of the door Mm. telling me, oh, I'm so grateful you said something. And there are people waiting for me at my car Oh, thank you for saying something. <laughs> and so every time, almost every single time, if not one to a dozen of people, are, they, they may not say anything in that meeting or they may not say anything to that person, but 99, 99.9% of the time, they wanted someone to say something and they just, like you said, were too afraid to say something. So I, we do. We, I think we are kind people. We know this. We don't have to... 
And we want what's best for people in the room. I, I think we've showed that through our careers. We've showed that. Look at what we've chosen to do. This is tough. we spent our life dealing with people so we must like them in some way so I think we've proven that and so you know you just walk in that confidence like if I'm saying something it's to help it's to help the situation it's not to hurt the situation thank you that is a good 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 thing to remember because that is it is usually the spirit I'm not out to um, to hurt someone's feelings. And for those of you who have teenage children, you know, you can, you can hurt their feelings by just, you know, sneezing the wrong way. Right. And so my 15 year old daughter, I think I hear her in my head sometimes because she says, you know, mom, you're mean. And I say, now, am I mean because you just don't like what I said mm-hmm. or because I'm actually mean? And usually it's because she just doesn't like the fact that I was right. And it's like, well, that doesn't make me mean. It just makes it that you need to do better. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and do that's how I feel about life better. in general, about our, 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 our workplaces. We have to do better. Yeah. I, I have an example I, um, I'd like to bring to the table here. I was working with a group of people. There were three of us on a project And what I was developing was a set of scripts that could be said to any of the various daily paper cuts of bias that we uh, receive. So, for example, the the interrupter, the manterrupter, or Mm -hmm. the person who is appropriating credit when the credit should go to you. What do you say in those moments, in the moment that it happens? Um, and there was great disagreement about the the um, usability or the um, the intelligence of creating a document like this for my clients or for prospective clients um, to have this sort of ebook on you know here's how here's some scripts for responding to these pesky issues and the fear was or the 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 one person who was disagreeing with it was saying these people have to go back to their workplaces and get along. And this, these responses somewhat incite a riot. So, um, and I thought, well, you know what? No, I think the time has come that we must name the elephant that we have to speak up. If you're the kind of person who can advocate for yourself and for others, you need to double down, triple down on that behavior That's and, and yeah. really call attention to these things as they happen uh, for the benefit of all. It's not just for right. the, you know, looking smart in the moment yeah. it, so yeah. that the bias doesn't perpetuate. Yeah. And in terms of inclusion, we were talking about this recently, too, using your privilege. So if you're in a place of privilege where you can speak up for someone, then you should. And and all of us in some way, whether it's with our title, with our race, gender, ethnicity, we have some privilege. Even that, you know, as an executive assistant, when I was sitting, you know, in front of the CEO's you know, being their assistant for whatever reason. I had privilege because I had access to an executive. So using my privilege to maybe help someone get a meeting or, you know, so every, all of us have privilege. People don't always realize that they have privilege. And you're right. Like you have to speak up for, because you're going to want someone to speak up for you 
Right. <laughs> right. Right. You're looking around for someone to speak up for you. So, you know, you got to pay it forward. Right. No, I think this is a great, I mean, we are at a point where this podcast is for us to have these discussions, for us to talk about, um, you know, things that we should, could, would have done, did. <laughs> and um, we're also not a grammar police. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> But we will be talking about these types of, um, of, of topics as we move forward and talking about allyship, talking about how we can help one another, how we can be included, how we can make our workplaces better. And so Philae, Lisa, and I will be here um, and we will be posting podcasts and we hope that you will join in and listen and we hope that you really enjoyed uh, today. And um, if you did... Please do like it, share it, and um, follow us on all the various social media platforms. You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates, Philae Thatch, and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.